Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, a 40k podcast for the Sudbury community, season 4. So, I did get a chance to have a game versus Jesse. Oh, actually, well, okay, I didn't get the game versus Jesse. I had a chance for a game versus Jesse. Uh, however, we did end up having uh, his two friends play against each other. It was a 50 power level game. It was my Crusade Force of Astra Militarum, which I play with the the story that they're still Gene Stealer cult, um, but they're they're pure Astra Militarum. It's it's a tank company. That's what I'm going with with this list. And their uh, traits are jury riggers, so that they can repair themselves every turn. And it's also the other trait where you get to re-roll one of the uh, rolls to see how many shots you get for random shot weapons. Going to be pretty mean, I hope, but also going to be a lot of fun. It'll allow me to... It'll give me more reason to continue expanding my vehicle range. You know me, I'm very much a, a infantry guy. I love infantry units. Uh, but this, I'm saying, hey, if I'm not, not going infantry, I'm not going infantry hard. <laughs> I'm going all vehicles then. So... Yeah, no, that's good. That'll, that'll expand my range in a, in a nice way. That way, a way that I don't normally do. I normally like expanding my range with infantry. I like having lots of models. Mm, excuse me. So they had a battle. Uh, Jesse, his friend, was also playing. So they were playing against each other. He was playing with Jesse's uh, Chaos Knight Force for Crusade. So Jesse's force was um, a big knight, despoiler, and three of the armagers. The Hell Reverence, I think they're called, with the uh, double uh, auto cannons, like the night auto cannons. There, very good, very potent, uh, but not a lot of objective security. wasn't really going to be able to move around and grab the objectives that uh, needed to be grabbed off of things that were objective secured for the um, tank company force. Being a spearhead force, the tank company was uh, a Lehman Russ commander tank man tank, uh, called Big Bertha, who she had, uh, all the plasma plus the las cannon, uh, and then there was another Lehman Rust battle tank with the classic battle tank loadout of battle cannon, heavy bolters, demolisher, demolisher cannon, heavy bolters, uh, and there was a wyvern to fill out that heavy support, and a chimera with an infantry squad in it, and a scout sentinel. So these units all got up. There were they, there was a lot more objective secured on that side, being the Lehman Russes having objective secured from being in an Astro Militarum spearhead force, which is pretty neat. Anyway, so the mission was the Relic. There was a lot of trade on the table, mostly ruins. We did make sure to uh, list some of the piece of terrain as being minus one to hit through, so some, uh, uh, some big uh, silos and some of the small ruins counted those ones as being dense cover so that way there would be a good mix of things so we had a couple of, of craters I really love how craters work in this edition the minus two inches to move like whenever you're moving across them totally changes the dynamic of the board uh, whereas before it was just very much like okay it's just kind of a piece that's there that randomly does something sometimes which is really annoying now that it's just all the time it's like okay wherever there's a crater the game board gets longer, which is great. I really enjoy that. Uh, so the two players played off against each other. 
it was a tough go with the Chaos Knight player taking the lead early by having the first turn and having all those devastating knight weapons launch off. He was able to destroy the Sentinel and the uh, Chimera. Bunch of guys died on their way out, but not the whole squad. The Demolisher Cannon came back in return, and all game long, uh, Vengeance for Cadia, being the most busted stratagem in the game, put in a ton of work. Combined with a max shot stratagem on turn one, the Demolisher Cannon, the Demolisher Tank, uh, and with the assist of the Heavy Bolters, was able to take down the Big Chaos Knight, which was a huge win for the Astra Militarum right there. On the Astra Militarum's turn, they were able to start peppering each other back and forth for the next turn, uh, but neither side was able to deal enough damage to take down any units, though the Knight player was putting themselves more into position around the Relic, keeping the Astra Militarum player backed off from it. He kept a unit of infantry close by, and that the those the uh, those infantrymen, the armagers, weren't able to fully squish every turn. Maybe had he gotten more of his armagers in combat in the one turn, he could have done it, but the one on its own wasn't able to push through the damage. The Astra Militarum continued to pepper back. Eventually, one of the Lehman Rust tanks did go down, but again, the very next turn, another armager went down. Eventually, it was brought down to just Big Bertha and the Wyvern up against two remaining low health armagers, which Big Bertha was able to kill one, and the Wyvern was actually able to take the last four wounds off of the other with a devastating 20 shots that ended up putting through four wounds, four failed saves uh, in one turn. At that, there was one turn left in the game. Big Bertha moved up and took the relic, and the game ended with a win for the Astra Militarum. Bam! That was a fast description. I'm going to be trying to do that more this season. I think it's a that's a really great way to just quickly give you the lowdown on the game with the with the major points. Um, so one of the things I want to mention though today, leading off from that, is having new players in the game. Uh, I know that this past year the community has gone a lot of new players, which has been fantastic. And so having a chance to be able to introduce some people again to the game. Uh, was really great. Now, the two players that were involved, one I don't think will end up joining us just because his life... The Warhammer is a very time-consuming hobby, and this guy really lacks a lot of time, but at the same time, if that ever changes, it definitely seems like something that's going to be up his alley. He was very, very much interested in the game, especially on the last turn, where he knew that he was on the back foot, and I mentioned, hey, here's something I want you to consider you have this charge here that you can do, and you failed it, but you have one command point remaining if you charge him, and if you if you re-roll that charge, it's a low chance of, of making it, but if you make it, you probably win, whereas if you don't make it, you're probably going to lose. And so, you know, it was a hard call because it was a low, low chance, and this guy was really good with numbers. And so he was understanding that. He was understanding that, hmm, this guy, my opponent here, has a real, seems to have a really good chance to kill my big stuff with Big Bertha. Um, and this here is a low chance to work, but if it works, he's stuck. And so I'll, I'll, I'll have a good shot. And that really, I really do believe it was the right call for him to do it. He needed to make a 10 inch roll, a 10 inch charge, and that's a hard charge. Um, he went for it, it didn't end up working. Had it worked though, I'm confident he would have won the game, and that was, and it's those moments that I personally love 
because it's those moments of you have a real decision to make. And those moments of having a real decision, a real tough decision like that, where it's like you know the game can be on the line from this, uh, that's what I live for. And I'm that's what I saw this guy. That seemed to be the thing. The mo- like he had already enjoyed some of the other things. But until that moment, I think he was just thinking, okay, whatever, I just get all the high numbers of things and I just, you know, blast somebody off of things. Because that's what the game had been up to that point. It had been, hey, here's this guy that does this. Hey, here's this guy that had done this. But it was in that moment that he really saw that, wait a second, there's a way to win, even if I'm losing. And that that gets your blood pumping. So I love, I love those moments. Um, for new players, I don't know yet how to really teach ninth. This was being that, that first teaching eighth, I had an easier idea. Actually, I'm really glad we rolled up the relic. It was a random mission that we rolled up. I really like the relic for teaching players games. Uh, the relic is a single objective that you don't, you're not worried about other things. You're not worried about, you know, we didn't do any secondaries. I did that very much consciously. I don't know if Jesse realized that. Um, I was just saying, no, just, it's just the relic, go for it. Because the relic is a single objective, so you can just kind of put your entire mind around the one thing. One of the strengths of the game is how your mind does have to kind of wrap around a whole bunch of things. But simplifying it down for a mission, uh, for your very first mission, is a really good idea. And the relic does that. It, It puts it all into one spot. So everything rests on that one thing. And uh, that's easier for players then to grasp. Could it give a player an advantage? Yeah. Um, But if it is a well-built intro game, that really shouldn't be the case. It's okay for one side to have something of an advantage in one way if the other team has something of an advantage in another way. I probably wouldn't have recommended um, going with... uh, the, the size of game that we ended up playing for an intro game. I think 500 points is a good size for an intro game so that everyone gets kind of something. Uh, originally, I, I had a little 500 point force built, um, but then they, they wanted to play the 50 power level, so it's like, okay, well, I brought the other stuff just in case we played off it. Jesse and I actually played, and so it's like, all right, well, here we go. Here's all the stuff then, right? Lots of toys on the table, but lots of toys is fun, but then you start to lose, I think... Uh, the visual of, or you, you start, you stop losing the understanding of what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, same thing with the big powerful stuff. If your first impression of the game is with the big powerful stuff, I think you're going to uh, lose out on what the little stuff does. Now that said, I think the player that was handling Jesse's knights, the knights were very, very much the right choice of army for him to use. Because if he does want to get into game with limited time on his hands, knights are a great choice for him. Uh, whereas his opponent that was using the Astra Militarum that uh, I had brought, uh, he may want to try out some other forces. I'm sure he ended up enjoying how the Astra Militarum ended up working because he won. Uh, but uh, first of all, I don't think he was as invested in the game as the other player was. Um, now that could just have been because... Um, he was kind of just there. We kind of dragged him in more. You know, it wasn't really something that he had thought he was going to be doing that night. And that's very, and that's another thing, right? You, you got to set some expectations. And I don't think he had any expectations set. 
So, uh, you know, that's something always to consider for it. It's like, hey, we're going to play a game, and you're going to roll some dice, you're going to make some measures. Whereas the one player with the knights, I think he was moving things around more and he was doing more measuring. Um, the player using the Astro Militarum Forces, by kind of being the more defensive army in this mission, uh, he was more kind of sitting back and moving very, very little. He was still, though, making some decisions. He was still trying to gather some things. But a lot of the decisions were kind of like, well, this is just what you're going to do here because it's it's just very obviously the right choice. Whereas uh, the night player, I felt, had just the more interesting choices. And like I said, interesting choices are what makes the game. If you do have a game um, where you want to plot out something, I'd highly recommend giving the players like a choice between two starting armies that are almost identical, save like one thing. Or like you should start out maybe with a force that's like, hey, do you want to have a chimera full of guys and this tank here and a squad of Bulgren? Or do you want to have the chimera full of guys, this tank here, and two squads of infantry, right? Or something kind of like that. Like, uh, build up, like, hey, do you want the big tough thing that's small? Or do you want the more numerous things that are weak, but you got more of them? And I think that's always a good decision to be able to, to put on somebody. Both lists will have be the same points, and both of them will have the uh, same foundational units, but then the thing that you flavor it with gets to be their choice, and that's like a good starting point for being able to say, hey, you know, an army building is about making these choices all the way through, right? You don't have to start with any of these things, but that lets you start with those. Um, and like I said, keep it simple, that's something there. Ninth edition, like I said, try to stick to something like the Relic, which is a good mission, for making it small. I don't know yet about other ways that you can help massage ninth into people because ninth is very much, much, is very, is a lot more complicated than eighth. But there will be some tips and tricks going forward that I'm sure we'll learn. Thank you for listening. This is Sudbury Scrub. I hope to do more of these kinds of battle report scenario at the start, leading into a topic afterwards. Hope to do that more this season. So thank you for listening again. Sudbury Scrub saying keep on wargaming.